Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. I love reading through the Bible. I love what we get to do here on Revival from the Bible. I love going through the Bible with a group of people, but I also just love doing it myself. And just about every year since I was a high school student, I've been reading through the Bible in a year. And it is amazing how every year it never gets old. And not only that, but every year it is relevant. That's also one of the reasons why I love expository preaching, where at, at our church, Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, most of what we do is we, we pick a book of the Bible and we start teaching through it. And we discover each week what God's word says. And I'm amazed how every week, even sometimes when I'm starting on a passage that I'm not super familiar with, it always not only is amazing to see what God teaches us from that passage, but also to see often how relevant it is. And one of my convictions as a pastor is that I don't really need to do anything to make the Bible relevant. It is relevant. And even though these are ancient words, they will be eternally relevant. And even though here we are 2,000 years after the final words of Scripture were written, and even longer than that, uh, from many of the words of the Old Testament, right? Even though it's been that long, these words are still true. They are still helpful. And I think as we read through the Bible and we dig into God's word, we are going to find amazing and helpful things that should change our lives. I was thinking about a lot of that today as we finish up Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 37. And as we look at this, remember the context. Uh, In chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame man. That kind of obviously stirs up the attention of the crowd. So then they they preach a sermon testifying to this risen Jesus Christ. And and then in chapter 4, they are arrested. And they are kind of brought in front of the authorities. Again, there they boldly testify of Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. And then... They are kind of threatened and told to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. Well, let's see what happens next. And we pick it up. We're looking at verses 23 through the end of the chapter today. And in verse 23, it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And so there, they're acknowledging the concerns that they have about the world. And I think it's amazing how they start with the sovereignty of God. 
They start with the fact that they know God is in control. And then that quote there is from Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is where it talks about the Gentiles raging and really then goes on to say, if you look at Psalm 2, he who sits in the heavens laughs. So in the face of political pressure to stop being faithful to Jesus Christ, uh, what we see is them acknowledging God, you're in control. It doesn't matter how hard the nations rage, you're sovereign. And then it uses the example of all the wickedness that happened when Jesus was crucified. And I hope that's something we never lose the the shock value of, that it was a tragic miscarriage of justice that Jesus ended up on the cross. And it took corruption from Herod, uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, the the Jewish leaders, all kinds of people for that to happen. But here it even acknowledges that all of that happened and it was it was what God's hand and God's plan had predestined to take place. Wow. So everything that was going on and and he's talking about the worst thing that had ever happened, the worst injustice that had ever happened, Jesus being put on the cross. Even over that, they're saying, God, you're sovereign. God, you're in control. God, no matter what's going on, your plan is going to keep on progressing. See how that might be relevant today? Is we're at a time where there's great concern about what's going on in our world and what's going on in our nation and how important it is for us to kind of step back even as we pray and say, God, you are in control. And it doesn't matter how much the nations rage, he who sits in the heavens laugh. And it doesn't matter who's scheming what, it's all going according to God's plan. And I think as Christians, we should look somewhat analytically at everything that's going on. And there's a lot of controversy. There's even things that Christians might disagree about that are going on right now. But we should see the writing on the wall that I think that the, the culture is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity. And it's going to become increasingly more and more where the world is trying to pressure the church like the apostles are being pressured here. Don't talk about Jesus. Or at least, what probably how it'll go down is, well, don't talk about Jesus the way you talk about Jesus. And by that, they're going to mean the way the Bible talks about Jesus. Don't claim that Jesus is really the only way. Don't actually believe what the Bible says about this or that, right? There is going to be pressure. And even as we are rightly concerned about the increase of hostility towards the Bible and towards the truth in our culture, We need to realize God is 100% in control. Everything is going according to plan. And then we need to pray what the disciples pray. And they go on then, starting in verse 29, it says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Wow. It's amazing what they pray for isn't God, stop the persecution. God, stop the threats. Yes, they lift up God. Hey, we're going to trust you to take care of that. God, help us to take care of what we need to take care of. And that is being bold in proclaiming the name of Jesus. That is astounding that what they pray for is not just comfort, not just alleviation, not just God, hey, write, write the wrong things that are going on. It's God, give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus. And that is a prayer that we need to continue to pray as believers. God, increase our boldness. 
to speak the name of Jesus. That we need to, as, as we get more and more concerned about our culture, one way we need to respond is by being more and more outspoken, specifically about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what people most need to hear. Even this last Sunday at our church, we talked about thinking about what is it that people really need? What is their ultimate need? It's not a stimulus check. It's not a vaccine. It's not a revolution. It's a resurrection. People are dead in their sins. And the only thing that can bring them to life is the power of Jesus Christ through the gospel. And I think right now as Christians, we need to be more committed than ever and more prayerful and more bold and just seeking opportunities to share the gospel because our world needs the truth. The truth that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again, and that he can give eternal life, and that we need to respond through repentance and faith. We need to pray this. Even as we talked in Acts chapter 2, we need to be more committed than ever to the apostles' teaching, what we have in the scriptures, the good news of the gospel, to fellowship. And that's what we see kind of again at the end of the the chapter. Not just going to a potluck, but really we are caring for one another and even financially when needed. And I think that's something even we should think about as we think through the future and pressure that Christians are going to face. Personally, I think before it even comes upon churches, it's going to come upon a lot of Christians where there's going to be pressure to, hey, sign off on this agenda that doesn't agree with the Bible, or you can't work here anymore. And as things get more and more hostile, as Christians, we've got to look out for each other. I think even we have to be careful. Sometimes as Christians, we will disagree about some of the things, you know, politically that are going on and what's the best way to deal with those. And we need to realize, hey, we've got to get each other back, each other's backs on the most important things of the gospel. And we need to care for one another, even when it comes to meeting each other's physical needs. So we need to be committed to the apostles teaching. We need to be committed to fellowship, the breaking of bread, remembering what our God has done for us through Jesus Christ and to prayer, being devoted to these things. I think it's amazing how relevant the word of God is. Let's quickly go over our other passages today. And one reason why we need to be bold with the gospel is because there is hope. There is hope even for rascals. And our world is full of people who need hope for people that aren't doing the right thing. And I think we see a lot of that in Genesis chapter 27 and 28. Genesis 27 and 28. In Genesis 27 is just an amazing story of just outright deception. Uh, Jacob is a scoundrel. He's a rascal. He lies to his blind father's face to, to steal the blessing from his brother Esau. And his mom is complicit in it. And if you want a side uh, sermon on why you shouldn't have favorites as parents, we, we, we could go down that road another time. But one thing we see is Jacob, he, he is he's a rascal. But one thing that gave me hope and got me excited is... It, God shows up then in chapter 28. There's the familiar story of, of the dream, right? When he sees this, uh, the angels going up and down this stairway or this ladder uh, to heaven and God speaks to him and God makes promises to him. And really it's the beginning of God is going to change Jacob as a person. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel changes people. And that's what our world needs. Our world needs people to be changed. 
And the only hope for that is the gospel. But thankfully, what we see here in Genesis 27 and 28 is that there is hope for scoundrels. There is hope for rascals. And that hope is going to come through God working on their hearts, changing their hearts. And that's why we should be bold, even more bold than ever about the gospel. And it's amazing that even though God is sovereign, he cares about people. And that's something we see in Psalm 8, which is an amazing, you know, majestic view of God. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then in verse 3, it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, right? And you think about going outside on a clear night and looking at just the vastness of space and the amazing uh, just grandeur of God's creation. Uh, Then David responds, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? That's something, again, we have to remember as Christians, as we boldly share this gospel, we're not doing it from our high horse. We're doing it from a place of humility. We're doing it from a place of remembering, I was a scoundrel, but God saved me. And we do it that, you know, God is so big and I am so small. I don't even know why God cares about me, but he does. And those are some amazing things that we see in Genesis 27 and 28 and then in Psalm 8. And I hope that fills us with with worship and praise today as we remember that God saved us. And even we look out and maybe you, you see a beautiful day or today, wherever you are, and you realize, man, the same God that created the mountains and the skies and the oceans and the stars and the sun and the moon, he cares about me. And more than just cares about me, he sent his son to die on the cross so that I might be saved. Isn't that a a message worth worshiping God in response for? And isn't it a message worth boldly proclaiming to the world around us? I I certainly think it is. Finally, we we see some strong words of warning in Matthew chapter 5. As we continue in the Sermon on the Mount, we look at Matthew 5, 27 to 37, and we're in that section where Jesus is saying, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And he starts with uh, sexual immorality. He starts with, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he goes on to use drastic language of, hey, pluck out your eye or cut off your hand if you need to, to avoid, I think even in this context, sexual sin. And he's talking about the danger of this kind of sin. And I think that needs to be a stark warning to us, to all not just guard our actions, but to guard our hearts, to guard our eyes. And if we find ourselves falling into sin, to take drastic action. And my encouragement to you, if you're struggling with sexual sin, it would not be, okay, don't, do not go gouge out your eye or physically cut off your hand today, but take drastic action to fight this sin. And probably the most uh, practical action I would encourage you to take is talk to somebody. Open up. Make sure that your sin is exposed to the right people. Find someone that you know, find someone that even that you trust and look up to and make sure they know what's going on in your heart and in your life. And let that be the first drastic action to fight against this dangerous sin. And maybe we also consider our words today that it's not so much oaths and promises that God expects us to be people of integrity, people of our words, people who, when we say yes, we mean yes. And when we say no, we mean no. 
May we uh, look to follow the words of Christ and may our righteousness not just be external or skin deep, but from the heart, from the inside out. And again, I've loved digging into God's word today. I think we'll always be amazed how relevant God's word is, no matter how long we are living after it's been written. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.